0: We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. Uh, so gives us the life live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws
1: us, even if we don't realize it, to God..
0: And good morning, everyone, and welcome to Real Presence Live. Uh, we're so happy that you've joined us this morning. And uh, we are indeed live. We are live from the, the St. Martin de Porres Barbershop and Lounge in Dickinson, North Dakota. That's in the Diocese of Bismarck, just 60 miles from the Montana border. We're glad that you're with us. My name is Mike Kidrowski and i'm here with uh, the pastor of st patrick's parish uh, uh, father bill ruel good morning good morning father bill and thank you for squeezing this in uh, for us today you just completed holy mass just a few moments ago and then you ran over here took 3 3 blocks run to get over That's here right. and you just sat down here a few minutes later so thank you for squeezing this in and Uh, You were just telling me before we went on the air that you are training for a marathon. You're putting in about 50 miles a week.
2: I'm at about 50 miles a week right now. (laughs) Probably top out about 70 miles a week in preparation for the Bismarck Marathon on September 17th. Uh, It's going to be my third race since uh, I got into running a few years ago.
0: You are an Ironman. But folks, (laughs) we have an exciting show for you this morning. Uh, we have with us, we are blessed to have with us the chaplain of the University of Mary in Bismarck, North Dakota. By phone this morning, we have Father Dominic Bauk. Good morning, Father Dominic. Good
1: morning, Mike. How are you?
0: Hey, I am blessed abundantly, and uh, thank you for joining us this morning, Father Dominic. We are uh, just anxious to hear uh, many things from you. Uh, we're, we're anxious to hear about... Uh, the University of Mary's uh, plan for the March for Life this uh, upcoming January, what that looks like. Uh, As you were planning for that for uh, a long time, uh, even a year ago we talked. But, uh, Father Dominic, for those that don't uh, know you, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. I'm uh, originally from Dickinson, North Dakota, like you. (laughs) I (laughs) attended St. Patrick's Parish. Uh, where Father Bill is the pastor. I, I see your I see
2: your today. name on a plaque in the sacristy every day, Father Balk. <laughs> yeah.
1: what, what is this <laughs> the inaugural map
2: here? Uh Yeah, for being one of the seminarians ordained or from St. Pat's, you're on oh, on oh, the wow. uh, the wall of honor. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah,
1: that's a, <laughs> I haven't seen that. I gotta make a little pilgrimage. <laughs>
2: there you go. But, uh,
1: I went to college seminary at the University of St. Thomas as JV. Uh, I went. I was in the Dominicans for a few years, and uh, then I returned to the diocese and studied in Rome, and I have served in Bismarck for four years, two years at St. Mary's High School and Cathedral, and then two years now at the University of Mary.
0: Wonderful, Father balk uh, you, you know, for those that aren't quite sure what a chaplain of a... Uh, you know, a major Catholic university in the United States. Can you give us a a little description or profile of a chaplain of a Catholic university?
1: Sure. Well, it's a a very full-time job and uh, Bishop Kagan very generous to assign me full-time there. But uh, I I, uh, do the things that a pastor would do. You know, the sacraments provide uh, a lot of counsel. The, The students are at a very kind of important and vulnerable time in their lives and so they want to have a lot of these deep conversations. We also have a lot of events, especially to bring in people who may be tempted to uh, lose their faith in college that we reach out to them. We have focused missionaries on our campus, uh, so they help out with that. And then uh, some trips like the March for Life, uh, do retreats, and then I also teach uh, a couple of courses in the Catholic Studies program. So it gets to be pretty full. Summer's a little lighter, but uh, the, the academic year is pretty crazy.
2: That's interesting, Father Bauch. You kind of hinted at this, uh, that even at a Catholic university, you can't by any means take it for granted that all of the students are completely faithful and, and don't have struggles in their faith and so forth. Uh, so you were saying that you do a lot on that end to make sure that uh, people who maybe are in danger of losing their faith don 't
1: yeah, I always say that a college campus is the most dangerous place for someone 's faith, uh, and it doesn 't matter the the college or the, the nurturing environment in itself uh, it 's it's a time when they 're making these big personal choices, and so I think today more than ever you know these, these young people desire to have a relationship uh, with you know some person of faith in their life, and if, they, if it's just kind of generic, they, they lose uh, traction, you know, they, they, they want to actually be with someone who, who is leading them in the faith, and so obviously the priests have that role, but even more important than the chaplain or, or even a, like a focused missionary is they're forming those friendships that keep them, you know, grounded in, in something bigger than themselves.
2: That's such an important insight, the the power of friendship in our spiritual life. Uh, to, just it's to everything. understand that we we don't do this alone. There's no such thing as just me and God, right? We need each other. Yeah.
0: You know, Father,
1: in, yeah, they, re- they, 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 They're very clear about that. And uh, we, we emphasize, we use uh, Monsignor, Tom Richter's integrated evangelization to talk about that too, that really relationship-based evangelization that peer-to-peer is, is, the, is the primary mode in which that's done.
0: Yes, um, and in regards to relationships, uh, Father, B- well, uh gee, what an opportunity you have to build relationships, obviously, with the, the students you interact with and, you, you know, the grace that comes with that. Uh, you know, what, uh, I, I can just imagine how fulfilling that is uh, to see young folks 18 to what 20 20 something uh you know just observing them grow in their faith father
1: yeah it's it's really intense it, in <laughs> some days you know a, a lot of days my calendar is booked up every half hour uh, with student meetings i also have administrative meetings and such but you know these kind of intense meetings some people are just trying to grow deeper in their spiritual life some people just had a family member who died. Some people are thinking about whether they should dump their boyfriend or not. Usually, to that I just say yes. That's the usual. <laughs> and then, <laughs> like you're going every thirty minutes is like a whole new emotional experience you're going through with these students. But yeah, it really it's a privilege to be. I just said this the other day that the the thing that I've experienced as a priest that I didn't necessarily anticipate is how uh, I don't know sacred how uh, much of a, a privilege it is to be invited into people's lives in these moments, things that they wouldn't necessarily tell anyone they tell a priest. And you don't always have, you know, the exact answer, but you can help frame the question for them in the most healthy and integrated way.
2: That's absolutely right. You know, you compared your work as a chaplain to being like the work of a pastor in that sense. I would say you do much more of that than I do. Certainly... As you say, uh, people come to any priest for that kind of help, but to be doing it that constantly and that intensely really is a special thing for you as a chaplain. And I completely agree. It's a sacred privilege to be allowed into someone's world in that way. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, and one of the reasons that the volume might be higher during just like kind of normal business hours is because, you know, they're just... one, they're at this important time of their life. But two, they, our, unfortunately, like our, our young people are just less and less equipped to to kind of make these choices well. You know, that there's a yeah. lot of a weird combination of pressure on them to be more successful than I think maybe your generation, my generation, experienced. And then also, like they, <laughs> the thing I always try to beat out of their heads is like even the good, the good, like faithful Catholic ones that they have to have everything figured out by the age of 22. They have to be a uh-huh. They have to be in a career. They have to have the number of kids that they're going to have, you know, the house that they're going to live in, all at the age of 22. Like, try to get them to relax a little bit, you know. You I think right. it's good to get married you yeah. know, when you're ready. And yeah,
2: I remember fine, being 22 but. and having nothing figured out and being totally fine with that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ladies. You, could, you could play guitar, though
2: that's right yeah yeah
0: <laughs> ladies and gentlemen uh, thank you for joining us we're so glad that you're with us we we have a great show uh, we're broadcasting live from uh, from the uh, poor's uh, barbershop and lounge in dickinson north dakota on this beautiful july the 14th the feast day of saint katiri Tekakwitha. and uh, i'm mike kidrowski i'm here with father bill ruel and we're visiting with father dominic bauk and uh, uh again uh, Father Bowick, uh, uh, as I mentioned previous to the show, you and I had a conversation uh, about a year ago about uh, the, re- the March for Life that was going on. That happened last January. But you were already gearing up, planning for the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade and the March for Life in Washington, D.C., where the University of Mary always sends hundreds of, of students uh, to that march. Now, can you, uh, with the overturn now, Father Bauck, can you... Can you just bring us up to date as to what you've heard about the March for Life uh, happening uh, this, uh, January, this coming January and what University of Mary is uh, continuing to plan or, or changing its plans? Can you bring sure. us up to date there?
1: Well, I know we're going. You know, one of the things with uh, taking so many students is you have to plan, plan pretty far ahead of time in reserving hotel rooms and buses. But, uh, yeah, last year we took over 200 students and, uh in planning for this one, I, it's big for two reasons. One is the 50th anniversary of, of Roe v. Wade, and I figured, you know, either it's going to be overturned, and there would be kind of a, a big so like celebration, observation of that. Plus, like, kind of coming together to discuss how we're going to, you know, proceed into the future. That since this is a big shift, obviously uh, the issues at hand aren't solved by a legal matter, but. Uh, the, the march originated with, you know, the, the decision in 1973 to, to kind of make it a preserve of the Supreme Court to decide abortion rights, and that's now ended. Uh, or it was going to be that another failure at the Supreme Supreme Court, which meant that we would just keep marching. So either way, it was going to be a big deal. And uh, with this context, you know, I was just on the road yesterday and listening to National Public Radio, who's you know, usually more so aligned with abortion rights, that they interviewed uh, a, a, a person who works in the Diocese of Phoenix, Chancery, uh, in the Office of Life, and Sister Bethany Madonna, who's a Sister of Life, and they had an interview with just those two, and the, and the interviewer was kind of pushing back. But the, the, the tenor of the conversation um, from NPR's perspective is like, well, what do we do now? they like, what, what are you guys going to do now? And I think... Hmm. As Catholics in the public eye, we really have to be conscious of that, that uh, sometimes it's harder to win <laughs> than it is to lose. And right. so now we have to really be vocal and, and proactive about how, how we're helping mothers before, during, and after pregnancy and, and raising a child. You know, And so I think this March for Life is going to have a, a real focus on the future, of saying, like, okay, what does the pro-life movement mean now that we've won this uh, major legal victory. The, 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 that's just a little thing compared to like the real issues that are going on in our country.
2: Absolutely. I'm sure you've been having a lot of the same conversations I have with priests and with Catholic people uh, where we're all kind of saying the overruling of Roe versus Wade, what it really does is it gives us the freedom to do that kind of work that that we've been striving to do this whole time. It's not the end of the battle. It's something that allows us to keep fighting for women and their unborn children
1: yeah and it, it's a it is a call for each of our consciences to be aware of that too like sometimes we view politics like a, a football game and it's like oh yeah i said one it's like well it's, that's that's a real impoverished view um but even things that we have done since the legalization of, of roe versus wade you know that the the real advent of these crisis pregnancy centers, which are weirdly under attack. That's something I don't understand for any time at all, but, you know, the one in Bismarck, I've heard that one in six pregnancies in Bismarck uh, goes through the Women's Care Center there, the the crisis pregnancy center, which a lot of good people of faith, a lot of good Catholics uh, help out at. So I think just real amplification of those efforts and, and even child care after uh, birth we have to really be aware of that and at our parishes to accompany people in those moments
2: there will always be more work to do and we're all happy to be part of it in- Yes, in- sure. indeed
0: uh, well Father Dominic we have to uh, take a break right now uh, we look forward uh, to hearing more from you on the other side of the break uh, don't go away we'll be right back with Father Dominic Bauck, the chaplain at the University of Mary don't go away we'll be right back You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Yes, welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live. Uh, We are live from DePore's Barbershop and Lounge in Dickinson, North Dakota, in the Diocese of Bismarck. And uh, we are visiting this morning with Father Dominic Bauck, the chaplain of the University of Mary. My name is Mike Kidrowski. I'm here with Father Bill Ruel, the pastor of St. Patrick's in Dickinson, and we're talking about the upcoming uh, March—excuse uh, me, yes, March for Life—in January of 2023, and what that may look like. And uh, so, uh, uh, Father, this is uh, this is history. This is a big deal the here. The
2: first March for Life after the overruling of Roe versus Wade. Right. I imagine that it's going to be a different experience in some ways than it has been in the past. Father Bauch, do you have any thoughts about what the next March for Life, the first one after the overruling of Roe versus Wade, is going to be like?
1: Yeah, I think you know, I think it, it will be it will be different, but honestly, I think it'll be more, especially this one, uh, will be more similar to past marches than than one who maybe hasn't been on the march might imagine, because, you know, uh, I think maybe initially in the pro-life movement, there's real emphasis on on the the evil of abortion, which has never gone away, uh, obviously, to have the full conversation, you have to talk about why why it's bad, what actually happens, but... But it's pretty amazing is why it's such a powerful thing to take high school and college students to and there's really nothing that can replicate it is that uh, you see a bunch of joyful people like a hundred thousand or more you know people gathered on the lawn it's it's one of the largest if not the largest demonstration in the capital every year and it doesn't get off, it doesn't get the uh, publicity sometimes it, really, it deserves partially no it really I doesn't there's There's bias and everything like that, but it's so consistent and, and there's no like reason to report on it because no one's like burning down buildings or, or you know breaking things. It's a very joyful it's like a, a joyful rally to show how much we love uh, all the vulnerable people of our society. And you know the, the, the National March for Life has really emphasized that at least since I've been going there and you know the phrase love them both, has uh, gained a lot of traction there is one of their official themes that this is this is not just about the unborn child, it's about the mother as well, and how we have to hold both of those uh, uh, persons up uh, as, as dignified persons who deserve our, our love and our care. And uh, the, the the young people, they have some pretty funny signs, too, like, beyonce was a fetus once or something they kind (laughs) of they kind of take it and make it their own whereas you know father father bill might be so smart he gets very philosophical but the high school kids kind of see it like you know uh in these kind of creative ways but they they really can identify with um loving loving them both and so in that way i don't think the rally is going to have a huge shift because that hasn't changed i'm sure there's going to be a, a higher pitch of excitement, but it 's always very positive and very excited uh, as it is that 's beautiful uh, yeah pe-
2: people going it, yeah. to washington d c specifically to be joyful seems to me that should be major right.
1: news yeah, I know yeah. exactly, and they, you know the 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 famous story that came out uh, a few years ago, maybe about ten years ago is there were some uh, advocates of abortion that were watching, and one turned to the other one and said, uh, Oh my gosh they 're so young.' <laughs> just <laughs> like, a fly on the wall of the march would say oh, this is a youth movement primarily uh, and that 's just intimidating <laughs> to, right. to those who would uh, oppose it because the, you know we are the pro-life generation that 's another slogan that comes up a lot so if if the march changes this year, I would imagine be a lot of the same, but you know in, in the future I, I think there's a place for it in one sense and it would be a shift from overturning Roe to uh, a still a, a reminder um, that we have a, a, a job to do that never is completed, and, we, it, and this, it, the, the, even the political battle, the, the legal battle, that's not over. If you read the headlines, right, it, it's just become the, the arena has shifted for now, uh, but there's still a major battle. You know, during the year that the march was only about a hundred people because of COVID, we the University of Mary and the Diocese of Bismarck collaborated to start the State March for Life. And we had about a thousand people at our capital. That's Senator Kevin Kramer spoke, among others, and uh, that that was the first time that that had ever happened. And I think what we're going to see, probably in the, after this year, is uh, a more localization of the marches. Maybe, but you really want to have, for especially for young people, that experience uh, of the march and and seeing, you know, people not just from your school but from all over the country gather in our nation's capital. Uh, to witness to
0: that uh, love. Yes, Father Father Malk, um you mentioned something just a, a, a moment ago that struck me, and I think some of the listeners too, and that is the, uh, the pro-abortion comment that was made when they were observing the march. You mentioned they're so young. Now, as they... chaplain of a university you're working with that group of people those students and why is it that we are seeing young people step up and uh step up in this fight and uh uh not be afraid to do so can can you unpack that a little bit
1: yeah i mean i don't i wasn't alive when the, the decision came down 50 years ago but uh I think it might have caught uh, some people off guard, but one of the biggest allies of the pro-life movement in the past few years is just uh, major scientific advances. And so it's really hard to make the argument that this isn't a human life, you know, that, that mm-hmm. from, the, from the chromosomal DNA level, even at the very beginning when it is just two cells, to the, the real, like, development uh, that, that's visible to the naked eye, uh, I think that's just hard to combat. Secondly is, uh, I think young people uh, of today, more or less, you know, they, they want clarity that uh, there's been a lot of ambiguity in the way that things have been talked about in, in the past. And I think sometimes it can be harmful where everything is black and white and, and, and they, they get sucked into a cause that maybe isn't as healthy, but... It's also beautiful and inspiring at certain other points. When it, they say, "Well, this is obviously a human life, and we can't intentionally take <laughs> a human life," so what? The the controversy of, of of the actual dignity of this person isn't uh, clear. Even at, when I was at St. Mary's High School, there was a lot of students who weren't weren't even necessarily that enthusiastic about their faith, or that you know they, they were still asking a lot of questions. Maybe they were raised by nominally Catholic parents but they could really they they really loved the pro-life movement because it was a positive thing that they could support this And and they saw the contrary as just like obviously wrong
2: yeah reason, clarity, youthfulness joy this really sounds like a winning formula hey Father oh, yeah, Balk, I'm going to change gears on you just real briefly. We are broadcasting okay. from DePoris House of Barbering in Dickinson, North Dakota. We're at a barber shop. Our listeners need to know, Father Bauck, have you ever had a bad haircut? <laughs> uh, yes. <yeah. laughs> are you willing to tell I us had. how bad? bad? Yeah, yeah. What what was your worst haircut? Uh, no, I
1: I just <laughs> I thought I was setting you up for a well at Deportes. We only give good haircuts.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't mean here. I'm looking at the owner right no, now. He's never given Paul, a bad haircut.
1: Paul, Paul Ellercamp used to cut my hair back when he was down by the old Walmart on the north end of Dickinson.
2: Oh yeah. So you've so never I, I, personally had a bad haircut because you've always had it from Paul Ellercamp, the best barber less, yeah. in Stark County. Okay.
1: Well, I, I went on, I, okay, I'll get, I'll get one good, bad haircut story for you. I right. uh, w- was leaving for a mission trip to El Salvador last summer, and I was thinking about, like, do I need to bring hair stuff or whatever, and I thought, it going be way easier just to not have hair. So the morning of my flight, I buzzed my hair myself, and uh, <laughs> it wasn't bad, actually, but yeah. The, the buzz cut, I don't know if I'll go back to that
2: yeah the self-inflicted buzz cut it's not anybody's uh, first choice
1: yeah no it wasn't, it wasn't super attractive
2: <laughs> well ladies and gentlemen it's always kind of dangerous when you get two
0: brother priests on the air they're going to talk about stories so so god bless you guys uh so uh, folks we have a few more minutes uh with uh, father dominic bauk the chaplain of the university of mary And uh, my name is Mike Kidrowski, and I'm here with Father Bill Ruel, the pastor of St. Patrick's Parish in Dickinson, where we're broadcasting. And welcome to the show, Uh, Father Dominic. We have, uh, you know, two and a half minutes left. Uh, Let's. uh, Any final thoughts that uh, our listeners should hear about the uh, subjects we have been talking about? Can kind of wrap it up a little bit.
1: One of the great, you know, one of the great aspects of going to Washington is uh, the the city itself. It, it, it it's very idealistic, and sometimes when we read too much politics, uh, we get a little depressed about maybe the state of our nation. But in D.C., with all the monuments and everything, we we realize that this country in particular was set up to to be called to a very high standard, right? And the Declaration of Independence, written by Jefferson, who is not a religious man at all acknowledge that our rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness can only come from our Creator. They can't come from the government. They can't come from anything else. And so uh, to really be walking around that place, to see the, the great high call of, of a Lincoln who uh, really kept us honest with, with the way that we were treating slaves, you know, the, 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 seeing Congress where the laws are actually made, cool. to have students experience that not just in like a field trip sort of way. But also, like, they're taking part in making uh, America accountable to the high ideals that were set forth from the very beginning of this country. It's very powerful. And then it's also, it's a lot of fun. Some people, have, this is their first uh, trip to anywhere outside of North Dakota. Uh, there's a lot of, it's, you, you sleep on the bus, It sounds hard, but, ever you know, hundreds of people volunteer to do it. So it <laughs> works. I have a heart. I probably complain more than anyone, but I'm old. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the, 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 the time where they got stuck in Pennsylvania on the turnpike, that was, like, one of the greatest memories when they had their snow mask. Uh, it was probably a grass on the on the side of the road. Or, yeah, they built an altar know, but, out of snow, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they built an altar out of snow. And they, they luckily had brought posts uh, to, to distribute <laughs> just in case. So it worked out uh, perfectly. But, you know, we stopped on the on the road trip. We stopped at Notre Dame. We stopped at the first Benedictine monastery uh, in Latrobe uh, for mass. So it's just—it's really seeing the the, the full the kind of uh, a fuller experience of our of our nation beyond just their own backyard, and uh, the the bonding that takes place is just—it's irreplaceable, you know.
2: Yeah, and I love that insight. Even in within the messiness of American politics, there's still this calling to be in touch with our Creator. That's a wonderful, yeah. beautiful insight.
1: Yeah, and it's 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 all on display. All
2: right.
0: All right. Uh Father Dominic Bauk, the chaplain of the University of Mary in Bismarck, North Dakota, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Uh you have a great day. Keep up the good work, uh, Father Dominic. All
2: right, thanks, Mike. Thanks, Father. Thanks. See ya.
0: All right, folks, uh, up next we'll have Paul Ellerkamp sharing with us how he brings his faith into the work every day. Stay with us for more Real Presence Live. We'll be back right after this. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network.